When the leaves turn brown, they come a tumbling down. Remember. Oh, it's autumn. There is a chill in the air and a chill in our podcast coffers. If you like Crisis Twin, consider donating a small monthly surcharge to the podcast that will help support the operating costs and just general good vibes of this enterprise. It's completely optional and you can donate as much or as little as you want, but much like Melissa Leo once said, consider stay warm hi everyone before we get started with today's episode that i think is truly an all-time classic episode with alex huffman um we did erroneously attribute the butterboard trend and just a lot of things in this segment in the cultural emergency segment to a woman named justine on tiktok We were actually referring to the content creator Daphne Oz, who is a BB Rexa doppelganger who is also in the food space. So uh, Crisis Twink regrets the error only a little bit. Not that much, but like enough that I don't want to confuse people. So enjoy. Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Joining me today is producer and writer Alex Huffman. Hi! Hello, hello. Pleasure, pleasure to be here. A pleasure to have you. Um, the twink. The, the, the twink, the singular twink. Um, we do have to get the elephant out of the room immediately. Uh, you have showed up to this recording sopping wet. Drenched, drenched, <laughs> drenched. It, metaphorically and quite literally. Yeah, um, it is pouring here in New York and um, I was trying to get to the Brooklyn Book Festival, uh, mostly just to um, look at gays in totes, looking for new totes. And um, it was rained out. But yeah, giving the wet look. uh... (laughs) No, it's the wet look is like very in vogue right now. I feel like I saw a picture of um, Kate Hudson at the premiere of her new movie earlier this week. And like, her hair was literally like shellacked like fresh out the shower and even the dress looked wet like i think it's an interesting trend that like people are intentionally trying to do this right now yeah yeah i love it i think that it's i think that um now that you've referenced uh kate hudson in comparison to myself (laughs) um i am totally into it and reversing my apology earlier well, you two, you two both have luscious locks, it must be said. Like, I I don't think I could do, like, the intentionally wet look, though, because that, I I feel like the amount of product that goes in to maintaining that kind of thing, like, it would drive me, like, nuts. And I, I don't have, like, long, long hair, but, like, I like running my hair, my hands through my hair without it feeling like, like a post-it note. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
yeah, I think that there is a fine line, especially for short haired people between giving Kate Hudson and giving like Megan. Yeah. I think that that is, or even Kate Gosselin. Oh yeah. When I had, when I had hair at your length, Mm -hmm. probably, I guess when I was sort of in like a face morphing phase in high school where it was sort of like an amorphous blob um, around like 16, I had like short hair that would not quite lay down in the back. So it was always giving Kate Gosselin. Yeah. That's, that's how my natural resting state is too. Like you can't really see it because of my headphones, but I (laughs) almost always, unless I like severely wrangle it, have like a permanent, cowlick it's not quite at a kate gosselin level but like it's asymmetrical which i think is almost Mm. worse like Mm. long hair is always something i've wanted but i tried it in pandemic and that and this is i mean lobotomy worthy too but like i tried it with a middle (laughs) part like i i wanted to like look like I, I don't know, like Jared Padalecki and Gilmore Girls, like, yeah, get, like yeah. the center part, like swoopy wavy. Yeah, in theory it is, but like my hair is just like too heavy to like mm. do that for more than like twenty five minutes post styling. And I, <laughs> like, when I tell you, like, I had droopy like Ramona Quimby hair for oh the entirety. It was so. <laughs> bad <laughs> like i am so jealous of people who can like rock long hair and make it work for them you don't have like a team of stylists and like amy sherman palladino tending to your your locks no. though like the like <laughs> industrial strength aquanet that it takes to like keep something like truly, that looking truly. fresh for more than oh my hour. god aquanet <laughs> like, god that just that like conjures like high school theater choir yeah sense memory i think it's a really specific gay sense memory both for the theater part of it and also just like i feel and i mean this in a nice way like it's an old woman kind of hair product like my all both of my grandmothers always used aquanet like religiously (laughs) to keep like the tight perm curl um and I mean, even my mom growing up would use like Aquanet sometimes too. Like I love that that like fruit smell. It's very comforting. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's it's definitely a um, nostalgic, powdery, yummy fragrance that yeah. you just kind of um, can send you into war flashbacks, but also a warm hug kind of a feel. As someone who skipped out on the high school theater experience, um, for better or worse, like, I feel fortunate that I have not had things ruined for me (laughs) by that atmosphere. (laughs) Like, it, it really does, like, people do talk about high school theater as if it is, like, the trenches. Oh my god. (laughs) I, I was a band geek, which is a little bit more, I think, palatable. (laughs) Mm. like broadly I don't know I mean I don't use any of my instrument playing anymore but like there was no like infighting right it wasn't like tar like we're not (laughs) it wasn't like people like fighting over like first chair alto it was it was easy 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 but yeah I feel like that encapsulates like a person's whole thing yeah that archetype I mean that's so that's so like rote and 
talked out, played out, whatever. But I think that just the um, uh, incisive witness with which you can target a person's whole thing by just saying that you did high school theater or or oh, in the yeah. end is like like you can, in, you can smell it in the the breakdown between like you had the tech crew theater people and then you had the performers and that right in and of itself is like a, a different taxonomy yeah yeah person like i feel like my like tech crew um sort of like identifier would be like sort of like zip up black sweatshirt with like invaders in mm-hmm. or like a tim burton <laughs> of some kind or like a um uh i guess like ed ed ed, ed and eddie cartoon network sort of vibe like half step away from cookie monster sweatpants oh and my then god <laughs> yeah the, the performer side is just like yeah i absolutely went to the city and saw mm, i don't know the revival of a chorus line or something which yeah. i'm just describing myself so <laughs> your tech crew description is too at accurate the most visible like tech crew member for my high school who like oh, yeah. actually went to like ncsa and now works in pyrotechnics which is like such a scary turn of oh, phrase to me I but yeah um like like literally the ed he was the person who got me into ed ed and eddie when we were in elementary school actually so which is to show that I find like vulgar almost. Like I don't I don't know. That show does not hit for me in the same like <laughs> nostalgia ways that like other Cartoon Network shows do. But... Yeah, no. Nostalgia is for geeks. So Okay, well speaking of nostalgia, um we are going to play Ring the Alarm. So Alex, okay. I'm going to present you with Let's. three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history. And you're going to decide whether or not to ring the alarm. There are no wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. Are you ringing the alarm or not? So usually this segment is like the current events segment. And it is. I don't actually do that many scenarios from like quote unquote ancient history. But today <laughs> we are because I watched the movie pop star never stop never stopping last night for the first time in a long time which is a essentially a feature-length adaptation of the following scenario which shockingly we've never talked about in the podcast justin bieber's 2013 visit to the Anne frank house in which he wrote in the visitor book that she would have been a believer are you ringing the alarm i feel like you have to yeah right yeah I mean, what was the fixation on going to the Anne Frank house in what, like 2012, yeah. I don't know when that movie came out. I'm just thinking of The Fault in Our Stars. Where oh, no, that, were, like, that was a big, that, like, I mean, it is like one of the things that you kind of have to do in Amsterdam. Like, if you don't visit the Anne Frank house, it's like, you know better, you know? <laughs> now, like, right. But, live, like, do you have to, like, like do you have to like have terminal cancer and like make out <laughs> or be a bl- that's the binary yeah there, i forgot right? that they make out in the house in that movie <laughs> that, that is and i'm pretty sure it's shot on location too like i was at um a video bar uh the other day that played the boom clap music video and i forgot that like the video for that 
song is just Charlie XCX like frolicking around the canals or whatever of Amsterdam. <laughs> like, oh wow! Yeah, huh. <laughs> there yeah, was. I, I'm get, we're ringing the alarm on on Amsterdam in general. I think Amsterdam's a weird city for sure. Like the being known for like canals weed and Anne frank that's not like a that's not a very cohesive <laughs> concept for a city no i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with you on that <laughs> it's pretty i mean i so this um this was i think justin bieber's first big oh. scandal like because this came right before he like pissed in a bucket at bill clinton's birthday party or something and like got in trouble for like cheating on whoever you no cheating on selena gomez with like models and stuff like th this was kind of the beginning of his like rebel rebel heart phase <laughs> like <laughs> no no good no not for anyone oh no. my god <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, I think that maybe the Anne Frank house is just sort of like a harbinger. What's the word? Har harbinger? harbinger. Harbinger. Yeah, harbinger for uh, uh, it's a foreboding. Of course, I mean naturally, yeah. but <laughs> I think we and, need to reassess. And it's just like it is a staggering act of like completely unself-aware delusional narcissism. <laughs> like, oh yeah, it just. I, I can't believe it. Have you seen Popstar? Or yes, like, it's yeah. been a long time, but I, I, I remember watching it when it came out. Yeah, I hadn't seen it since it came out, because I think it came out in 20, like 2015, 2016. Like, it had been a while. That movie is so funny, and I don't really know why people don't talk about it more. Like, Yeah, I think that... I feel like people talk about it now as though... Uh, we really missed out on how funny it was like yeah. you are so maybe it's maybe it's time for a revisit it, I, it also I wasn't felt inclined to but it wasn't streaming maybe anywhere time. for a long time too and like now it's on hbo max again as of yesterday and yeah i i really would uh encourage people who have not revisited it to like go back and watch because i I find musical comedy very unfunny by and large. Like Lonely Island is sort of the exception, I think. But a lot of the problems that I have with like the written, I people have been talking about this, like, so I'm not alone in this, but like the Kim Petrus music over the past like year and a half, I think is like mm. full on comedy music. And it's not. <laughs> Go, I mean, it's not, it's just not like, I don't like my pop music trying to be funny. I'm sorry. Like, I, I think that's like, I think that's a reasonable request. Like, keep it like silly and sexy. Like, that's all we need. Yeah. For this. But like, yeah, I agree. Um, the, the good thing about pop stars, like those songs actually work as like good pop songs, but also are like extremely funny. Oh, yeah. And that's definitely. hard to do. That's so them. interesting. But like, where is there room in pop for laughs there definitely isn't rap i feel like yeah rap makes me laugh so much like i mean like nikki and lil kim and i mean even oh, yeah. doja cat i think they're so funny but that's really interesting that you can do it like 
wittily and I think it works pretty well. Um, I mean, even something like It Wasn't Me by Shaggy, which is like essentially mm-hmm. like a novelty <laughs> comedy rap song, like is kind of funny because it it it's like a good pop song in and of itself. Like it like works well. Like the melody works really well too. Like it just it's just catchy. Whereas something like I mean, I think this new like Sam Smith Kim Petra song is like what the fuck it is, is unholy <laughs> like it's bad it's so bad like it's really bad i and i cannot believe <laughs> it's projected to be the number one song in the country this week tiktok has completely like poisoned the water it is yeah. crazy that they waited so long to release the song and then had let the sound go as viral as it did and then let the song come out and have it just be nothing it's, it's nothing, nothing, but it's song. still like. I mean, it's still gonna be successful. Still, crazily, yeah. Like, they've. I mean, I use disclaimer that I used to work for Capitol Records, but like Capitol has had a really hard time figuring out Sam Smith's lane since like Dancing with a Stranger, mm. and this didn't seem like it was gonna be that. Like Sam Smith doing like a sexy like. And not even sexy. I like it. It fails on being like a sexy, fun pop song to me. Like, and I don't. I don't think like the mixing sounds bad. And I. I don't know. <laughs> I just. I just think it's not well constructed. And it's crazy to me that like, all you need to do is just like have this meme kind of hook, and that's it. That's it. That's and your it. song can be two minutes and nineteen seconds long. And go number one (laughs) so speaking of music and number ones we should move on to our second scenario here yes yes pitchfork names fantasy by mariah carey featuring odb as the number one song of the 1990s are you ringing the alarm no okay (laughs) that is that's correct right i mean i would ring the alarm if there were any disagreement on that i feel it took me a minute to like get behind the choice, but I do think it's the correct one. Like it's obviously a perfect song, perfect remix. I was like, why this at number one? But then I you think about how it essentially introduced the pop song featuring a guest rapper format to popular music writ large mm. and the impact. I mean, it, it's international, it's global not right. everyone can say that uh, no no the implications are both in the influence and just like sonically it is like the 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 waves of the way that she has like introduced inter what's oh god i can't say oh, words. like interpolation interpolation yeah. and sampling like it's that in itself has become such a conversation that i feel like was happening a lot of course but yeah mariah like really put it to good use we, a few weeks ago um friend of the pod will sander cock came on and talked about sampling and pop music as the cultural emergency mm. and he made the extremely salient point that sampling is really good when it like recontextualizes the original song into like a new form and like fantasy definitely does that like in spades it's so good right oh my god yeah totally 
And I hadn't, I usually listen to like the non ODB version of the song. Um, and I went and listened to them like back to back, just like to, for comparison purposes again. Like even the remix really does something very different than um, like the originals doing. Yeah. It's yeah, cool. Completely. It's really I can't cool. quite remember what the rap is. Is that maybe I'm thinking of a different song? It's like the New York's in the house. It's oh, Brooklyn. Right, right, yeah. Right. Which is like would... in an that <laughs> iconic right there, too. I mean, yeah. But did you look at the rest of the pitchfork list? I don't think I did. Yeah. It, what else is happening? Well, I mean, it's 250 songs deep and really arbitrary. Like all these lists are just obviously for like clickbait and mm-hmm. discussion on the internet. And Pitchfork is one of the few media outlets that is consistently capable of generating content-based outrage these days in this sort of like positive non-toxic way so like good on them for like dropping a bomb on us that like has kept people fed for a few days now um i thought it was fine (laughs) i mean like the the 90s are kind of like my musical blind spot decade um so a lot of like the rap and like some of the alt rock stuff i wasn't super familiar with but there were like some absences like there was there was no like um tori amos on it which i thought was really mm-hmm. crazy not as much bjork as you'd think um one pj harvey song out of like a ton of i don't know it was, it was like fine but like there were also a lot of like kind of like some stuff like that i wasn't expecting like whitney houston covers that like i was like like not but not i will always love you either just like other Whitney songs I was like kind of surprised by like I, I don't know weird weird yeah. lists but like it was always going to be kind of like that yeah yeah sometimes it feels like those lists have like a um underrated just for the sake of it being yeah an underrated surprise all right and then <laughs> last scenario here Trevor Noah smooches Dua Lipa and quits the <laughs> daily show in a five-hour span <laughs> are you ringing the alarm yeah, I think that we should. I think we should ring the alarm. Um, that that seems. I mean, just the way you phrased it within a twenty-four hour span, that does seem manic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it it does seem manic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't think that anything needs to be brought up there with the age gap discourse, but. Oh, I just yeah. wonder in situations like that, like what they're talking about, like what is on the table discussion wise. Yeah. Cause she does not seem like the most politically tapped in person, um, except for like Albanian sovereignty. That's the oh, only true. thing we've ever really seen her publicly comment on. Um but he he has a very weird dating history. Like he, I just who else is Wikipedia. there? Um, okay, hold on. Sorry, I know for he dated Minka Kelly for a really long time. That was his big recent one. Um, she she has really checked a lot of boxes. She has. She's. I mean, like I always associate her with Derek Jeter. Um. Oh yeah, no, he and Minka Kelly and Trevor Noah bought a house together. 
So I wonder what happened there. Um, the oh, and then he's just dated a bunch. He's dated a bunch of like models and stuff. But okay, the Minka Kelly thing I always think is really weird. So, um, <laughs> oh, and he dated Olivia Munn too. That's the other one. But she's also like mm. one of those people who has like dated everyone. She's on everybody's list. Yeah, she is. Good for them. I um, I don't know. I don't really care about Trevor Noah. But people seem either. to really care about this. Yeah, I, I I don't know what part of it is there is to like latch onto and really care about, but um, maybe we need to um, really hone in on the Albanian politic of it all mm-hmm. and just trust that that is what's just like flooding the pillow talk. He could be pulling like a reverse Arnold Schwarzenegger and like going to Albania to start what is sure to be like a thriving political career. Yeah, of... yeah. He I... sold Minka Kelly's house. Yeah, for a two, cool two a cool tickets. three million dollars too. Um <laughs> Jesus. Quite the profit. Um I'm just <laughs> always surprised by how many people care about the daily show in today's day and age. Like Not I don't culture. think it was never really my culture. Like even I mean, even the John Stewart of it all seemed really like kind of hacked to me. Like I watched Colbert back in the day, not religiously, but like I mean, he was at his peak when I was like twelve, thirteen. So yeah. like, of course, that's like the kind of thing I would have been watching. Like, right? I mean, I'm full disclosure. I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> was not surrounded by a bunch of people who were looking for like the uh the liberal skew um comedically so yeah. uh that was never really <laughs> on in the house or elsewhere uh, oh, oh yeah um <laughs> and meanwhile growing up in potomac maryland where it's almost exclusively a liberal skew in, right, in comedy right. to this day like it's uh very very different like i still the rare occasions i do go on facebook which is usually just to check if I miss someone's birthday and I always mm. have missed someone's birthday and I always send like a two days late text message. But um, I see people from high school, like sharing John Stewart videos and Trevor Noah videos still. And it's like, okay, like someone's living in a very different part of the cultural universe than I am, which I, yeah. I, I think I lose sight of often because like we're in the same sort of like Twitter sphere. I feel like with like, cultural discourse and even like takes like i feel like there's not that much like dissent or disagreement and everyone has kind of the same media diet but yeah that's a good point that's a great point yeah to think of people who still have trevor noah as their like north star for political comedy and in the in in this like i don't think political comedy should be like i i just never i never find it funny unless it's like veep in the first place but like yeah i, don't know. I mean the, the bar is so high yeah that that is really tough the the trevor noah reposting crowd i have a feeling are the people who like both have the time to sit and watch him and uh borrow their friend's canva account to create (laughs) infographics based on what they heard so um i think that i think we're okay where we are in our little sphere (laughs) he might cross over more now though i mean 
I don't think Dua Lipa has a lot of super fans. Is that weird to say? Like, I I feel like no, everyone I know part of the likes phenomenon. her music, but she's not like like I wouldn't even know what her stands are called. Yeah, I was about to say, are there stands? Are there like, is anyone like threatening lives on Twitter in her name? I don't think so. No, I I it's so um. I mean, she's just too mild-mannered. Like, we've talked on this podcast how she is sort of a charisma void, which is, I mean, her fatal flaw, I think. Like, she is inarguably a pop star. Like, probably one of the top working musicians in the world right now. But we don't know anything about her. Right, yeah. Even, like, in her Vogue 73 Questions or anything I've seen where she is, like, being given the opportunity to display a personality, she's, like she's cool and effortless and that I feel like the void is part of the appeal for me. Yeah. But at the same time, like I could not tell you a single thing about her. (laughs) I subscribe to her weekly newsletter service 95, which is a terrible name. Um, Just because I was curious. I was like, is this going to be more of a window? She doesn't write any of it herself. It's like, um, it's like Lenny letter, but for, people who aren't literate I I would say like (laughs) and I'm not I don't mean that in like you can't read it's that like this this is like for people who like get their news from Canva um (laughs) I she she writes a little forward every week that's like five sentences being like I did my makeup today and I'm not I'm not saying this is like a value judgment on her day-to-day life or her intellect because like her the things she showcases are like somewhat interesting, but it's so pointless when a celebrity does something like this as a window into themselves and then isn't actually all that involved in the creation of it. Like, say what you will about something like Lenny Letter or, I mean, Goop even. Like, the spirit of Lena and the spirit of Gwyneth is like infused into every single part of that oh, completely. enterprise. Yeah. Uh- I mean, they they have such a, like, strong presence anyway that I think it'd be hard not to, which just, like, maybe, like, they're inextricable to even the name, like, (laughs) the name Goop or the name Lenny letter. Like, it just, like, is literally part of their names and also so indicative of who and what they are and stand for. (laughs) And meanwhile, do Service 95 is named that because she... (laughs) She is trying to provide a service to the world by like sharing her thoughts. And she was born in 1995. It's oh, a very like, yeah. it's a, a very like utilitarian name, but I do, Dua is our like most utilitarian pop star in a way. <laughs> like, she Chill. is. Chill. She, she, she is a, she's there because we need someone like her there. And she's doing her job successfully and competently. Yeah. And that's about it. Did you ever watch Nashville, the Connie Britton country star vehicle? I did not, but I do like the soundtrack. That's my engagement. Related to the soundtrack is that um, within the show, Connie Britton's character, Raina James, um, (laughs) starts a a label called Highway 65. And that is what I kept thinking of as you were saying, whatever the fuck 
do a newsletter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Highway 65 at least is like tied to country music and American yeah. imagery in a way that like Service 95, it sounds like software. Right. And like, Rana James was not about to let you forget no. the name of her her imprint or label or whatever it was called. Um, oh yeah. Every five going down to highway 50 65 y'all i love her so i should get into that show i i oh it's adore so much. okay i think we need to get into our cultural emergency yes today. <clears throat> so alex what are you rushing to the er today um okay we need to get the defibrillator out and um try desperately to revive our cultural consciousness around who we're listening to, who we trust, um, because we need, as a society, to come down on the TikTok experts of the world. Um, I have been noticing this trend of um, these people who sort of purport themselves to be uh, an expert on any given topic, and they exist in many fields. And I feel like my my TikTok feed has... Uh, targeted me as someone who enjoys like cooking videos and um things to do with singing and theater Mm -hmm. and uh so I'm I'm constantly fed those things and within those worlds there exist these people who purport themselves to be these uh um vanguards these figureheads within (laughs) their communities and they just it's it mostly shows itself in that pisses me off the most is just their vocabulary the Mm. words that they use uh, um to to make themselves into this expert that they believe themselves to be which i'm all for self-actualization or whatever but anyway to get to my point of this topic i I believe that we need to take a step back and reevaluate uh who we're lending our likes and views to um and really uh think critically about (laughs) these these experts yeah yeah i i have seen an uptick um on this especially like on my feed recently i have started getting a lot more videos in a subgenre that you mentioned the vocal teacher analyzes a performance category of tiktok oh my god yeah and i don't know who any of these people are to begin with like the i've never seen these teachers in my life i don't know their expertise no one else watching this knows this either but you sent me a particularly jargony one um yeah from at voice dot therapist that mentions things like cricoid tilt false vocal fold retraction and it's literally just like you're listing techniques and science for what like it doesn't tell us anything about what's going on really because no no one knows that so like right especially with with the, the vocal coach react trend existed before tiktok especially mm-hmm. on youtube i feel like it yeah. happened a lot like like in the sort of theater musical theater world natalie weiss was big and she was someone who would like break down riffs she had a whole um series called breaking down the riff where that like sort of 
close analysis of singing and of like vocal pyrotechnics yeah <laughs> are uh, is what sort of i feel like opened the floodgates for a lot of these people who use these insane like vocal pedagogy terms that like i as someone who knows a, a thing about about music and singing it, it like is just like so overwhelming to the point that it is just sort of uh, it's a totalitarian approach yeah to overwhelm and convince that someone is an expert so that you don't have a question what i liked about those youtube vocal coaches though and i believe please correct me if i'm wrong like natalie weiss is the one who did the countdown riff breakdown right yes mm-hmm. okay that's whenever I think of a vocal coach video that's when I think of she's actually singing in that video too and replicating the riff which is like these voice teachers on TikTok and I think it's also just the nature of the platform like they're not doing that they're just saying what someone else is doing and not really telling you how to reproduce it in the way that like I mean YouTube at its core was a lot more like kind of instructional than TikTok is like I get a lot of cooking videos too I would say that's like the predominant category of videos I get fed there's not a lot of like recipe no like you know when you think of like measurements and stuff like you watch someone on YouTube like Emmy made in Japan like she's giving you exact like how many cups of this how many tablespoons of that give me a measurement Um, whereas like even the cooking channels I really like on TikTok, like the um, that Italian pasta woman who always calls people gorgeous, like she's my <laughs> she's my favorite. Um, <clears throat> she doesn't give you measurements. It's just like the the ASMR sensation of cooking. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, totally. Yeah, I, my favorite is this this. Uh, I don't know how to describe her. I I feel her name is Justine. I'll have to find her name. I I'm pretty sure it's Justine, but she has this amazing oh, yeah blown out blonde huge hair with this gorgeous kitchen and it's filmed beautifully it looks like a food network show but the way she talks about food and the way that she like presents herself is like verging on pornographic at times where to the point where i'm just sort of like was this intended for for tiktok like what is why was this so well produced and well done and also sort of horny like (laughs) yeah well because there is like and this is just a platform thing with tiktok but like the asmr component is so built into so many categories on tiktok that like your videos almost have to be like sensorily engaging on Mm -hmm. multiple levels right right you can be a little bit more dynamic with TikTok too, like in the filming, because so much of it is like on the phone. It's not like a, you know, it's not like a webcam like YouTube was like, just like James Charles sitting in front of like what we're doing right now and like painting oh, his yeah, face we're and stuff. Very Hey Sisters at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> we're very, very Hey Sisters. But <laughs> I also get Justine videos a lot and I do really like her. And I find cooking out of the TikTok expert categories like it's definitely the like yeah like cooking requires expertise yeah like and you can also like even if it's hard you can replicate what people are doing like 
And if you're a good cook, like that does make you an authority on something that tracks to me. What TikTok experts are doing now that does piss me off a little bit. And Justine, unfortunately, is a prime example of this is they're getting too tricksy and crafty with things. Justine is one of the progenitors of the butterboard. Yes. So, yes. And that yeah. strikes to me that that is an innovation that no one needed. No, we don't need that. Absolutely not. And I think that what you're getting at with the multiple sensory components kind of ties neatly back to the the vocal coaches because i feel like with with the cook there's such an easy way to tie in an auditory and visual experience where you're you're either just watching and listening to the cooking happen or they're talking through it one whether or not they're good at it yeah but with the the vocal coaches they are either speaking over it kind of like almost yelling being like the soft palettes raised you can if you can see the 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 folds the folds are really thin and the the mucus is whatever the hell they're talking about or they're literally (laughs) just like they're just doing like a pantomime like there's Mm -hmm. no sound on their side so they're just sort of doing these like insane voice teacher hands I'm unfortunately very familiar with that are yeah. just like thinking like up, 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 or like, like just kind of reacting in a positive or negative way. But it is crazy to me that that is, that's content. If nope. you could just sit there and wave your hands around next to, I don't know. And this woman you sent me today is not even given that much. She's doing like, um, like Olsen twins on like, the a full house poster like she's going like <laughs> hmm and she's like smiling and she's like mm-hmm. like it's, it's so it's self-satisfied so self-satisfied and like it's not <laughs> like yes we know that like i don't know who this woman is but like i, I like we know like shoshana bean can sing we know like lilius white can sing like j- just being like oh yeah that was good with the video that's a like 25 years old and we know is good already <laughs> like what is that like <laughs> serving like people are not going to be able to sing like lilius white or any of these people in the first place no, like we don't need them to we already have lilius thank you so much but it's you, also you just need not apply it is also just a vehicle for people to cycle through old videos and just repackage them and like get like new like it's like culture content farming like culture vulturing oh, yeah. from like my like sick secret and i've i have literally never shared this with anyone but unfortunately for the purposes of today it is important my dark shame is i do enjoy at times watching blackhead extraction videos oh a very sick sense like sick disgusting part of the tiktok community that is like somehow extremely popular and i didn't like this prior to like when I downloaded TikTok for the first time, like 10 months ago, I didn't like it at all, but there somehow I got worn down. And there are th- like the three main th- phenomenons within this like structure is like, you just have the people taking out the blackhead, gross, whatever. Then you have doctors who should be helping people making Mm -hmm. content commenting on people's like extraction technique and like 
all this stuff. And that is like, whatever. I saw a really like crazy video from, I believe the actual Dr. Pimple Popper herself the other day. That was her commenting on a video on someone else's TikTok, like a stitch. And she was like, actually, this was my video originally that someone else stole, but I'm going to reclaim it and and comment again and like talk about that technique and stuff and don't steal people's content, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Fairs. The expertise now, and I think this is a problem endemic to all of these like TikTok expert categories is people in the comments section commenting their opinions and expertise on it. Mm-hmm. Oh which my is God, like all other chapter to this. Totally. Yeah. And I don't think like, <clears throat> I think it really like, I, I don't read TikTok comments that often, but when a video has like a ton that are like, you know, disparate, like when someone gets ratioed, essentially, I will like look at it. Mm. <laughs> and I don't, I find this problem especially noticeable in like the blackhead extraction videos, because you have all these like 16 year olds from like Overland Park, Kansas, commenting, <laughs> you didn't take out the cyst wall, you left the cyst oh wall. And I'm God, like, well, you're not a doctor. <laughs> like, and oh. like to know what that is in the first place, like no one should know that. <laughs> but like to see people like evaluating like estheticians and doctors from the comfort at their home, like that, that to me, like TikTok has created an atmosphere where like that sort of behavior is learned and encouraged and I think that's almost the worst part of all of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you said you downloaded it like 10 months ago. I, yeah. I unfortunately um, began my addiction mid lockdown, like early 2020. Um, my little sisters forced me to download it. Um, yeah. And so I quickly became addicted. And as, much of the country did i think that we just like we we sat at home and watched each other do all these various things that like started as i guess a little more relatable than they seem now and now we're back sort of i mean quote unquote back to real in the real world doing things and capturing things on tiktok as we did in the beginning times of the lockdown so something about that sort of like the transference of how we took in uh culture and content from home to now just like being on the train and watching someone i don't know analyze a an extraction like that's just that's insane (laughs) it is insane that that like the more um like unremarkable aspects of it I think are a little bit better what for the culture because people like one of the videos you sent me was an almost like two minute video of this twink oh my god yeah dressed my roommate and I are obsessed with these like ripped twinks who even if their intention is to put on clothes for their outfit of the day at least the thumbnail is going to be them like flexing for their lives and it's it's just it's the most insane content go on (laughs) and all of them have like an onk tattoo he they pronouns in the bio like it like it is you can't 
you just can't write this stuff like no, it is like no. i mean like to have the heave in there in addition to the ankh and the content it's just like it's a it's a chef's kiss it's it's truly. almost as much of the uniform as like these identical outfits that oh, they put on God, like yeah. i really thought this guy that you sent taylor reed was gonna put on something really crazy and like you know like gen z silly like throw everything in the wall and see what sticks he's literally just wearing a black dicky like work suit that he like mm-hmm. cropped um over a white tank and then a bunch of like chunky jewelry and even yeah. he's using like jargon like hard and soft and like he's like, carrying it he's clean lines. right yeah. right this is where i first started to get really annoyed with terminology because with doctors and vocal technicians who are doctors of a sort they have their terminology that they put to use in their daily lives yeah and are using to their advantage in these videos um some might even say weaponizing but the the uh ootd and some of the lower level cooking videos i would say are where i'm noticing this terminology coming in where they're 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 pairing and they're they're analyzing and they're uh styling he's he's styling himself when he's putting on a pair of his dad's wranglers and yeah a vintage t-shirt from yeah 2013 like that's just like great (laughs) okay cool and Uh, it's never like um I mean, I, it's just the lack of impact in the final look for stuff like this that really gets me because like, so good. I feel like even people who do not pay attention to fashion or don't care about fashion have the basic inkling that black and white look good together, mm, not rocket mm-hmm. science. And to present this as like chic minimalism that takes like thought and effort yeah. to like, polish it's in to to have to have like that expertise to be able to do all that and like to to have the hubris to think like i can look like this and so can you Mm, that is really crazy to me i i sent you this um my favorite fashion influencer who just looks like i mean a spongebob character every day of her life um tiny jewish girl she uses jargon a lot too like she uses pairing in like a very like Dada-ish sense because nothing she ever wears goes together whatsoever. Right. Um, she's on like the maximalist side of things in like ooh, an intentional a, cheeky way. Yes. Like I I do um I don't want to like accuse a woman of like naivete because that seems <laughs> really condescending. Don't, but like don't do it here on, on not here. Crisis tweak. But like I do um I think she has a sense of childlike wonder about <laughs> her presentation and look um, that like, even when I think she looks, I mean, just, I, I wouldn't go out of the house like that. I'll put it that way. But like, she, I don't believe she does. No, you, but that's the thing. You never see her like out and about walking. And the few times that like, she does post like outdoor videos. Um, she's very like toned down. Mm-hmm. But I I do appreciate like she has 
I at least like the way her mind works. It doesn't work in a way that like most people's minds work. And like the out the outcome of that mind is not, it's aesthetically challenging. <laughs> but like, it's at least something to think about. Like this, like yeah. a black shirt is not anything to think about. No, yeah, yeah. That's so true. Yeah, I mean, more is more, I guess. But God, at what cost? I, I, some of these people's voices, I just it cannot. I mean, I'm doing it to myself. I'm complaining about something that I am a willing participant in. But yeah. and there, like, I mean, TikTok is genius because every every like feeling you feel towards it is like a micro burst. Like you get a little bit of like this micro burst of disdain or outrage mm-hmm. or like yum, <laughs> like all that is like right tailor-made to just hit you in little bursts and then you move on to the next thing which makes it it's like serotonin like serotonin edging but the things about tiktok that like make its way into the cultural consciousness are like the expertise jargon or i mean or the music but that's like a separate conversation like i think this last video that you sent me the trend forecaster Oh, is God. such a perfect summation about wh- everything that makes TikTok expertise so like annoying because it is this like it's this woman who's not baselessly but like she's making a grand sweeping proclamation about what's going to be in and it's like the Taylor yeah. Momsen smudged eye which like okay like I can sort of see that coming somewhere but then like she's parroting all these like phrases that we are supposed to take as givens in our cultural lexicon right, the thing that right. really pissed me off was the phrase uh off-duty model look oh yeah for yeah. someone who's just not wearing or is wearing like no show makeup right yeah the, the like dewy like just primer just foundation whatever yeah it's a, isn't it a picture of of Haley bieber yes it is or a hadid or someone Haley bieber yeah yep. i mean like the the lighting and amount of <laughs> work that has gone into that face and that skin um no black analyst will ever have to spend time on her um but it, it just is it's crazy to me that someone who i mean the, the thing that separates her from the others that we've discussed is that like there is no formal lexicon of terminology in what she's discussing so she can just make these insane proclamations and even she doesn't the the other people have their expertise implicit in what they're saying with her she has to say up front where she's like i'm a um a trend forecaster proven by x y and z check out my resume she like she has a list up top where she is making these grand accusations about what things might happen as though she has a crystal ball but she's like commenting on things that are happening and just might get bigger like that's not trend forecast that no. is just observation my dear and i i guess there is a grand historical tradition of coming up with words for phenomena i'm trying to say this in a way that doesn't feel elitist but like in the TikTok age, like we're not, we're not, you know, we're not dealing with like Jacques Lacan here. Like we're talking about like 
Y2K girlies and gays who are like coming up with terms like cottagecore and coastal grandma chic and chuggy for like things that sort of already have words for them. And just because it's being like True. repackaged within this like, well, within this medium and with this like tone, that's what's taking on. And I find that like, I mean, it's that's not like a trend or phenomenon that's going to stop anytime soon, just because like that's always existed. But like the way it's current and its current iteration is very like, and maybe this is just like I need to like unpack why I think like even as like an active participant in it, like I find TikTok so like almost lowbrow. Oh, totally. Yeah, like, and I, every few days I'm like, okay, I've, I've beat my addiction. I'm I'm totally over it. I don't need to consume yeah. as much or send 18 videos to my my friends at 4:30 in the morning. Yeah, but then turn around and it's 4:30 and you've sent. 17 videos yeah we will never get out of this machine but like no i and i have to like i do like tiktok like i think i i'm still at a healthier remove from it i feel like than i am with like twitter let's say like i don't and i don't get like twitter makes me upset often tiktok does not make me upset so like i should i I, the bar is really low for that (laughs) i at the very least like I'm not like in an active state of like um, panic or outrage. Right. It doesn't last quite as long because no. we're not engaging with it in a way. And the stakes are way lower. I'm sure like there are TikTok videos that are like conspiracy theory peddling and like a lot more like toxic, terrible than like I'm sure what we see on a day to day. And like there are people <laughs> who are getting like as we speak radicalized, like, but it's still not like. I don't know. It just like I, I just wish we didn't have to ascribe so much like cultural import to things. And I and maybe that's just what it is. Like let, let TikTok be, be silly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the things that make me the happiest on there and that have always made me laugh the most are just like usually like <laughs> just a like nineteen year old girl just being accidentally hilarious or being like accidentally brilliant or like just like these it's the um lightning in the bottle was caught with uh america's funniest home videos yeah and that is still what works for me (laughs) i don't need much more than that and and there's room for like surrealist comedy and uh like shaking the head in like an adult swim kind of way almost like i my favorite tiktok creators are like the alice consanis of the world Mm -hmm. like the people who are really just leaning into like the absurdest fun elements and like i mean yeah it's like front-facing video comedy but it's also like funny stuff like that's all i want i just want to laugh like i want to laugh and i want to learn how to make like ravioli it is astounding how fast we moved away from the complaint around front-facing comedy videos into just fully forgetting i guess maybe it's because it's sort of extended its arms to the yeah. nether regions of the cultural stratosphere but i feel like when it came to like sort of the comedians that we were at least familiar with who were doing yeah. them it it was it was grating a lot uh, on a lot of nerves i noticed but yeah. yeah that's that's interesting and i get i get that that medium was like a necessity because of the pandemic in a lot of ways but 
I, I think one of the reasons why it's like kind of plateaued out into just being like, you know, tolerable and like it's because the wheat got separated from the chaff. Like the people who like mm-hmm. can do it well are still doing it pretty well. And the people who didn't are done. And that's right. Yeah. And hopefully that. that like you know, the TikTok experts will also like fall victim to that too. Cause like I don't need to see like a thousand people like being fashion experts or like even the cooking stuff. I mean, like, oh yeah, there's some really yeah. heinous cooking videos out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen like uh, not to, I mean, again, be critical of like a, a woman <laughs> in a way that feels. It, I don't know. It's it was a, a mom who was talking about making her kids lunch in a way that feels like a a chef would talk about, which like is a cute idea, I thought, but she didn't seem to be in on that idea or joke yeah. and was 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 plating and had uh she was plating an avocado toast or mm-hmm. um was uh <laughs> again pairing pairing is a cross cultural term mm-hmm. um between the ootd and cooking video yeah um yeah i think that i think we need to just like get a grip and touch some grass and yeah i'm included in that <laughs> eternal advice for everyone in every stage of history so um okay i think we have to move on to our final segment let's so we are gonna play tear the community apart the rules are very simple i have picked two songs and you're gonna tell me which one is better oh okay and that's it let's go Without getting as specific, so you are an expert already at tearing the community apart, and I have given you an especially difficult one today. Um, I am asking you to relitigate the great Stan War of 2013, a pairing of songs that we have not actually done on this podcast yet, but um, this, talk about a toxic space, this turned Tumblr into the Battle of the Somme for a good six weeks. And, and, and the chicken. ramifications of this fight still reverberate throughout the community today. Which song is better, Roar by Katy Perry or Applause by Lady Gaga? Oh, shit. Okay. In, in a certain world, neither song is a good song <laughs> in my mind. Okay, speak on this. <laughs> I, I I'd love to hear what I feel that I mean I just remember Roar coming out in like I think it was wasn't it like catered to being an Olympic an Olympic um anthem of some kind so or that, that was Rise um uh, that was 2016 R-word. these two okay. songs came out on the same day Right, 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 right. Yes. yes. I mean, I, I do remember the the Stan Wars for sure. Um, but the 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 um ability of, of my memory to even conflate the idea that Roar was an Olympic theme song is kind of how I think of it anyway. Yeah, it's very um I also don't like it when I said pop music is, shouldn't be funny. I don't think pop music should be inspirational, really, either. And Katy Perry no, is, like, the queen. No. Her and Pink are the queens of inspirational pop music. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Though Katy, I find this song, it's corny. It's, like, one of the corniest pop songs of the past 10 years. But, like, 
I can stomach it's pa- it, Yeah, it's fine. I it's I like Roar. I like Roar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I, I I think that um they're they're both like the simpler efforts from each of the projects that they like came from, um and it in applause is like Gaga at her most like her most literal and her most um theater kid yeah uh and so maybe that's triggering but um i think that at the end of the day even though i do think that they're both bad songs um (laughs) i would go with i think i think gaga yeah i think that i think applause has i was about to say staying power but i might be switching sides just in saying staying power because roar will be on like girl boss spotify playlists and like pre-game like pump up music till the end of time yeah so if we're talking longevity maybe maybe roar i think roar is staying power to qualify it as the better song I think we've already seen Roar's staying power hit way differently. Like, Applause is sort of, which is crazy to say about something that went top 10 on the Billboard charts and, like, is kind of one of Gaga's defining songs, arguably. Even yeah. with, like, it's not, like, one of her better ones, but, like, it is, like, art pop. It is, like, the song that kind of, like, is art pop. Um beyond the song that is literally titled art pop i guess but the the roar like art uh, applause is like a for stands only gaga track yeah yeah i i at chromatica ball i seated around people who only knew the hits and yeah they you could tell they knew that one and were sort of cursorily um feeling as though art was in pop culture yeah in them um (laughs) right uh, but um when it came i don't know when it came to the enigma or i don't know did she play drugs and drugs i don't remember so she didn't do any art pop songs that i was at the chicago ball she only did yeah, I mean, she really only did the hits, but, like, the two songs that she did do that, like, people didn't really seem to know were A Thousand Doves at the Piano, which even as, like, a little monster, like, a pretty, like, diehard little monster, mm-hmm. I'm not off book on A Thousand Doves, so, like, I did no, not know that. No. And then Hold My Hand, like, obviously was the encore, um, and most people oh. I was around did not know that. But you no. went to, you went to the Meadowlands show, right? Uh, no, I went to, I was in D.C. Did she oh, not okay. do applause? Am I making that up? She didn't do applause at mine. But, like, okay, I think I she might be, like, lied. tinkering. Because she did Angel Down, <laughs> LOL, at the L.A. show. And I got a lot of, like, vi- videos from people <gasps> I know at the L.A. show being, like, I cannot believe she's doing this. Um, she did not really go, like, I. it was, like, pretty, like, she didn't do any art pop. Okay. Which was a bummer for my Chicago. pause. My pause was for Angel Down. Let's just say that yeah. much. All right. <laughs> yeah. I, um, a well intentioned misfire <laughs> out of an album, I would say that is almost entirely comprised of well intentioned misfires. Totally. I, I, I do agree with like, 
I do, I would pick Roar out of these, or no, I would pick Applause out of these two songs, but I mean, like it was back in 2013, this is sort of a referendum on whether or not you're a Katie Cat or a Little Monster. Like, right? and that's really all it comes down to. Totally. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. What, the divide is, is clear. What I will say about Roar is that it's fine, but like, it also got, um, it is like a ripoff of Brave by Sarah Bareilles, which is a song that is doubly inspirational and I think doubly as good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I, I had no sense of music taste in high school. The only thing I could cling to was Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. And so that was, that she was my ride or die for a time. And she really popped off with, I mean, of course, Love Song had been whatever it was, but she kind of was under the radar until Brave and she became like the car commercial song lady. Yeah. Um, and I don't see Katie being subjugated to car commercial song lady. She's... Well, she's Grubhub commercial lady. <laughs> like she's on, <laughs> she's the jingle woman now. Like, and That's so it, true. she, Sarah Bareilles <laughs> has worn many hats in her career. And it, I, it, one of the great delights of 2022 has been seeing her become this like prestige, like theater them almost. Oh, yeah. Like it's yeah, really, that's yeah. been really nice to see. But um, it's very cool. I still need to listen to the cast recording. It just came out, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. The. But Sarah Bareilles has never written a jingle, as far as I know. And please correct me if I'm wrong. Actually, True. don't correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to no. know that. Um, but, like, she she has um, an integrity to her that Katy Perry in 2022 <laughs> simply does not have. And Gaga, has, a, so Gaga has integrity, too. But it's, like, <laughs> at what cost? Right, right. I mean, mm-hmm. how much integrity is there in the... In, I mean, r- wrapping it right back to TikTok in the insane audios that she creates for her own videos. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad she has an outlet. I'm glad that she's writing. But at what cost? <laughs> everybody's baking, baking, baking. <laughs> everybody's baking, baking, whatever she's talking I find about. it really hard to talk about House Labs just because it's so... Um... <laughs> It's just so undignified. It's just so <laughs> undignified. Oh my god! Um, oh, I like wow. it's it's times like these where like I do wish that. I mean, we've talked about James Charles a lot this month on the podcast, but like it's times like these, I really wish that James Charles was like really in full force again because like if him and Jeffrey and all these people didn't like get canceled to hell and back oh. like we wouldn't have to deal with Lady Gaga making up little ditties like, and, like do doing videos them. with like Nikki tutorials like can we like, crazy let's crazy. get anyway um <laughs> okay well I think I'm on a real come down from that so I think we have to <laughs> I think we have to wrap up but Alex this was a fantastic episode I think we really went scorched earth on a lot of things here i think so i think we're both familiar with the the, the smell and look of, of scorched earth and i would say that mm-hmm. i'm seeing and smelling that behind yeah. us for sure yeah. like a vast burning plane behind each of our like blurred out backgrounds right now yeah um, yeah i'm i'm like swinging in on like the roar uh vine and you <laughs> you have like the the gaga finale hold my hand claw yeah like i'm like 
limply jumping over a, a wall of like <laughs> fire pit flames <laughs> in flats like that that's like, <laughs> yeah key critical key. in flats yeah um <laughs> where can people find you on social media if you would like to be found i am active on twitter uh at underscore a huff a-h-u-f-f um where i'm frequently found talking shit with drew um and that's pretty much it i don't really post on instagram or you can find me lurking in the comments on tiktok i have a shit talking uh lurking account (laughs) oh yeah but that's that's pretty much it (laughs) for as much as we have talked about the platform today like you are listening to two lurkers like making a tiktok video and editing it and doing all that is something that i do not have the skill or patience no. to do and love and light to oh everyone who can completely because yeah i think like, that we can as much scorched earth as we've all left behind we can also put the fire out with the uh humble pie that we're able yeah. to eat in that way because <laughs> i have i have not, none of those skills no <laughs> No, we, we appreciate motherfucking craft when we see it, to quote, to quote great. So um, you can find me at FK Pigs on Twitter, um, uh, at Drew Haskins on Instagram, and follow at Crisis Swing Pod on Twitter and Instagram for direct updates from the podcast itself. Um, also, if you are, well, by the time this is out, we will have already done it, but... Um, the recording of this week's girls room with me julia gray and extra special guest george severus will be up uh to the podcast feeds um probably thursday or friday depending on when spotify gets us the audio um and tune in the week after on sorry i'm pulling up my calendar this isn't i'll cut this out i probably won't cut this out um tune in at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday, October 12th for a very special episode of Girls Room covering the season one finale uh, that will feature uh, special guest Catherine Cohen. So that will be very fun. Um, catch up, catch up, catch up, catch up. Um, and until next week, bye everyone. Like what you just heard? Go to the show notes and whatever podcast app you're listening to this on and click the donation link.